Hey, you. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Now I've got sound. I'm great. How are you? Good. Todd's coming back from the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you? Good. She says bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for our sweet gifts. Oh, it is our pleasure. So good seeing everybody for the first time in a long time. <laughs> I know. I felt like I was waking up from like thawing out after an ice age, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first time I'd seen people in like a year and a half. I know. Oh, I feel like I end up telling Kat just stories from the office because that's the only time I interact with people. <laughs> I totally understand that. <laughs> Um, All I'm interacting with are, are people under five years of age, yep. four year old, and a, a newborn. So I don't, I don't have any of that. Like, wow. if I, if my English language is lacking this evening, you'll be like, mm, I get it. <laughs> you'll just see, you'll just see me with my pen and my notepad. Just we're gonna have to fix that in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to be like, she just stopped talking. Stop talking. <laughs> that's the worst that's that's when it hits the most is when i'm like in the middle of a sentence and it just stops i don't know (laughs) i just get lost oh that's funny so you got the notes or is there any any questions about anything anything you object to (laughs) (laughs) no i'm excited this episode was a a trip (laughs) yeah oh yeah and definitely it's we've discussed before that it's whenever they have a panel of just all the writers and the showrunners. Oh, it's all white dudes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jolene Blalock just showed up on set going, I'm going to be wearing a jumpsuit the entire time. Aren't I? Yeah. for real. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Star Trek. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, oh, she's not the only one that's wearing like a jumpsuit the whole time. The that's, part. That's true. And everybody's kind of in spandex. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you go back and look at some of the um, alien suits and costumes on the original series, you're like, wow, (laughs) what's the show's double stick tape budget? There's no way. (laughs) You've got several people following you around, making sure that doesn't move. Don't lie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And by several people, it was probably just Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> Is it? Uh, 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 oh, oh, okay. All right. No, we're good. Keep rolling. I know that life standing right off the side, being like holding every possible thing that you think can go wrong in your hand. Just like, <laughs> okay, I'm right here. Just scream. Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is la. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. 
I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. If you stare into her eyes long enough, you'll find yourself becoming peaceful, tranquil, and a vegan. It's Brent Bevan! Yay! <laughs> How's it going? Follow me for more recipes. <laughs> don't do that. I don't. I've been meaning to talk to you. Don't do that. (laughs) I've been meaning to talk to you about how you sensually bite into baked goods on your Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me feel things, mostly hungry, but I just want to. That's what's up. That's uh, that's it. That's also what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like, don't. uh, (laughs) If anybody ever sees a recipe from me, truly, it had to be. It had to be Bill that wrote it because now I love food. I love food. I actually really I love to cook. It's just um, like I, I like cook with the ancestors. You know what I mean? So like sometimes Fine. it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like the person that can follow a recipe is, is Bill. He's like, oh, nice. He's much I... more methodical than I am. And so I'm like, I'm like throwing in. That's sometimes it's great. Too. Sometimes it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all the time. There's been times where Kat and I have tried a few vegan recipes and I think I burned more calories just angrily throwing everything into the garbage or the sink. Just like, oh, f- this cauliflower. cauliflower. <laughs> what the hell? I, and I, I ended up writing a bit in my act about we don't actually hate vegans. We hate the people who write vegan recipes because <laughs> things in them, that's, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. I promise it's not a thing. Half large cauliflower. That's not a thing. I have that in a recipe. <laughs> I go on yeah. about, I'm, uh, you know, sweet chili sauce. And I'm staring at the Mexican food section for the longest time going, it's not here. Of course it's not. Sweet chili it's sauce will be in section. the Asian <laughs> section. <laughs> yes. Stared at that shelf way too long. <laughs> oh man, sweet chili sauce the jam though. It is, it's really good. It's good. Oh man, I am the guy who's, Oh, hey, you know what? We also have this in the fridge and it's in the pot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that's why you're not going to get a recipe out of me. Somebody will be like, this is great. I'm like, I don't even know what it is. I was blacked out for the 45. I was just putting things in a pot. Who knows? I just get inspired. It either works out or it doesn't. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's unfortunate though, because some nights you're hungry. Some nights you're like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> and now there's nothing. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, we've. I mean, Cat indulges me in my in my uh, culinary. Oh, Cat's another one that nails everything she does, isn't she? She's like, yes. she nails everything. That's oh how Will gosh. is. <laughs> it's so frustrating. We, we balance each other. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a nice combo. If you, if you want it done right, let's and call him. I need a spreadsheet about everything in the universe. She's actually already working on it. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's away. awesome. <laughs> Oh, Meanwhile, I, could... I have like 45 journals and notebooks sitting around me. That's my, I'm still that guy. I'm I have notebooks on every book on all over the place. I just leave <laughs> myself. I'm like in memento. That's my life, especially I'm... with mom brain. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm post-it note guy. So yeah. it's just, it's everywhere. Like my, my desk looks like a feathered bird, but it's just. You look like I... you're like uh, connecting the crime scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Let's talk Star Trek for a second. Yes. <laughs> Since we're here, what's your background with sci-fi, fantasy, uh, Star Trek specifically? Because I know I've mentioned to you before about like what when Kat and I finished reading Sandman, I was like, oh, you know who'd be really into this? It's Brit. 
And then I messaged you and you're like, uh, yeah, of course. I've injected all the issues into my veins. Like they're, they're amazing. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Do you have any early Star Trek memories or anything like that? Yeah. So I'm not as familiar with like the entirety of Star Trek as, <laughs> as you are, but I huge, just like I was a giant X Files fan. That's my jam. We're huge X Files through fan. the whole thing right now. <laughs> so I spent my childhood years in the X Files, and uh, but I definitely was still in you know lightly in the Star Trek franchise. Light, um, of course, a Star Wars child like everyone is. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and as far as comics go, like that series, like Sandman and everything that came out of there is just beyond up my alley i love i love those uh, i think that would have been got a tank girl, girl shirt on today so that's my one of my other franchises that i cool art entirely so yeah. nice they've done so many different crossovers i really got to give it up to idw for letting those franchises bleed over into each other because just giving them a world to be in and yeah. just like and just like letting the world exist i yeah i agree Oh yeah, they did a, I want to say it's a four issue run where it was Transformers and Star Trek, but it was Star Trek, the animated series specifically. So it was kind of cool because you had uh, Emrex, the cat lady from the from the cartoon, and then you had Eric's, who's one of my favorite guys. He has a third arm growing out of the middle of his chest, so he can like do things really fast on the on the compad and stuff like that i was and he yells and he kind of has check this out cool, that guy's spreadsheets right oh man <laughs> he's he's definitely my choice for chief of security of my ship just because like everybody's yeah. like oh no war because he's a klingon or like no you want tuvok he's a vulcan you nerd i want nerd the guy or, with the chest arm yeah i was like look he's gonna catch your one fist he's gonna catch your other fist and then just punch you straight from the middle of his chest <laughs> But they nailed that whole thing with the Star Trek and Transformers. That's, that's a great crossover. But I feel like I feel like some of the more deeper writing in Star Trek, I, I do wish somebody would have been like, well, what if Mobius showed up on the Enterprise? I think that would have been really cool, especially with some of those more thoughtful characters. Or maybe like Q shows up in the dreaming. That would have been so awesome. I would have loved to see those characters play off of each other. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Because that would have, you know, really multiverse crazily, you know. Oh, <laughs> have, sure. gone that have you read Lock and Key? Oh, I, you know, so I am so terrible. I'm one of those people that serially begins things. So I have, I have not gotten, I, I really enjoyed what I've touched on, but it, because it's, it's, it's right up my alley, but I haven't gotten deep into Lock and Key yet. Cat. I think she just on a whim read the first issue by the end of the week. She had read everything. She oh, that's the awesome. Higher series. I love that. <laughs> and then when, and then when I told her that they were doing a lock and key Sandman crossover, she lost her mind. <laughs> she was like, we have to go get that immediately. <laughs> That'll be so good. We got the first issue and boy, it, lives up to the hype it's amazing it's really, really ah, it's yes, so good so not having a lot of experience in star trek this was probably this was, i imagine this is probably your first watch of anything enterprise for sure yep okay yep. I mean, so, I caught up on a couple of the episodes around this um, that mm -hmm. you had made recommendations about. Uh, but yeah, this was definitely like the first. Uh, so excited to see Scott Bakula. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
definitely. I immediately big... was like, all right, I'll hang out. We'll be yeah. here. What's up? That's a familiar face from. You folks can't see it, but I'm seeing like little hearts pop above Britain's head right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's really cool because he does have that calm, cool swagger of like. Yeah, he yeah. was great. Yeah, I'm the captain. What's about what? what, what the, the theme song, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even like honestly. I thought it was a joke at first. Like I paused it, and I was like, "Is that the TV?" Uh, and it oh, was. Well, I, I that can't let, be the theme song. That's let awesome. me first thank you for continuing the trend of guests coming on, going, "What is up with that theme song? <laughs> this is this is awful." <laughs> but here's I the, believe it. Here's the thing: you have watched a few other episodes, and I've seen this with Gary. It's definitely happened to the Davis household. A theme song will get in your head. I, the thing, okay, so this is, that song I already knew, and so that's why I was kind of like, what's happening? <laughs> really? Oh, man. Yeah, so, like, it was familiar, but at the same time, I just, like, brushed it off, and then I was like, that can't be where this song came from, you know? Like, I don't know, it was just such a weird, I had this, like, 80s flashback moment, it was very, <laughs> it was, like, oh, trying fine. to figure out what year it was. It was great. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this was, this has been a lot of fun, and, um, and I know you've got you've got some wee ones, and you guys have you guys have a dog, right? Yeah. So this episode really centers around the dog. I'm wondering if I'm just going to cut right to it. Did you shed a tear about the dog? Oh yeah. Did you? Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> I have to get worried about the dog. <laughs> yeah. I also had a baby five weeks ago, so I cry at like yogurt commercials. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but I was it. sad about the dog. Yeah, no, the dog was actually so cute, though. I mean, the whole episode, for me, especially not being, like, super adept at at it, it was the perfect episode to just drop me in. Because Now, like, you know more than I do, but it just feels like the whole episode has nothing constant, like, the whole episode doesn't matter. (laughs) Is that true? Because it feels like, I mean, it was great. I had fun. But yeah, I was like, it's, nothing it's, happened here that is hap- that, that matters. It's pretty Long inconsequential. <laughs> I mean, it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, it was very fun and funny. It seems like uh, with uh, to Paul. Well, hold on. First of all, uh, before we go any further, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! UPN Wednesday. I haven't slept very much, but I'm doing the breast. The best I can. The captain explores new territory. This is going every night. I obviously can't keep up with you. Sexual tension, Captain. Uh-uh. One hell of a night, hasn't it? You've got to see it to believe it. After a five-day away mission spent apologizing on the planet Kurtasa, the away team consisting of Archer, T'Pol, Hoshi, and Archer's dog, Porthos, returned to the ship to decontaminate. Porthos caught the crud on the planet's surface and must be quarantined. I'm gonna take a shower, wash this filth off me. Filthy! Archer learns from Trip of the ship's need for an extra plasma injector from the Cretassins, but negotiations break down after it's discovered that Porthos peed on the Cretassins tree. We all do. Archer doesn't take it well when he's given a list of demands he must meet in order to properly apologize. He and Doc Phlox tend to Porthos, and Archer spends the night in sickbay to be with his pet. Throughout the night, as Porthos's immune system weakens, Archer gets a slice of Phlox's life in sickbay. During the night, he dreams of Porthos's funeral and T'Pol's side boob. That turn you on? Well, it shouldn't. 
Because that's my side boob. Through it all, Archer struggles to reach an emotional understanding with Doc Flocks and T'Pol as the only alien crew members have little grasp of the human-pet relationship. And Doc Flocks keeps offering Archer unsolicited advice about dealing with his boner for T'Pol. T'Pol, working out in the gym, oh boy, here we go, also keeps urging Archer to apologize to the Kratassans for the dog's behavior. But Archer resists because he blames them for Porthos's illness. In the end, Porthos recovers following a pituitary transplant from an alien chameleon. Something just flew in me! Swallowing his pride, Archer then goes down to the Kratassan capital and delivers an intricate ritual apology, which involves slicing a tree trunk with a chainsaw, uh? arranging the pieces of wood in a complex pattern on the ground, and chanting phrases in the Kratassan language. Having successfully apologized to the Kratassans, the crew finally managed to procure new Legos for their ship. Good night, everybody. So you've watched other episodes. Have you gotten a sense of the sexual tension between T'Pol and seemingly everyone on the, else on the ship? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, they, she, <laughs> there's a theme, yeah. There's a thing. How obvious is it that this was put together by a bunch of dudes? Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> like a like, hmm. you know, like you had to, you have to like watch it and put it in that filter oh. of just being like, oh, one of those. Yep, here it is. <laughs> one here of we these go. stories. <laughs> here we go. This is why we can't have nice uh. things. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but it's still like the way they did it. Very funny because like. To me, Doc Flocks doing that full-on Fraser Crane, like that whole episode just interjecting, like, welcome to the sick bay. I'm Doc Flocks and I'm listening. You know, like <laughs> that, <laughs> but it was such a funny Freudian, like Yeah, it's so funny. Stressed out about losing your pet. When's the last time you got some? <laughs> the answer for everything. <laughs> oh, did you burn the roof of your mouth? Are you getting laid regularly? So it's so funny to think about like how misogynist, there's no way around it. This show's super misogynistic, especially like, I don't know if you saw like at least the first two or three episodes where I'm going to have to bleep this, but everyone is so <laughs> shitty to T'Pol. <laughs> They're just like, they basically are just like, oh, why don't you hang out over here in the, in the space kitchen and, uh, you know, the guys will handle everything else. Like, I was like, holy, holy. <laughs> What what the hell's going on here? Like even the sentence where uh Doc Fox is like questioning why he cares what she thinks. Yeah. He's like, the only reason you could care about her opinion is if you like to get laid. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I'm like, oh, that's your medical opinion, is it? Yeah. Well, I got a lot of flack <laughs> when I was about to start this show. Big Star Trek fans had this preconceived notion of Enterprise being the worst of the franchise and, and all of that. And I can't say I necessarily dispute it, especially with some of the things like we've already discussed being said to certain characters, you know, the writing, the producing, and a lot of, you know, the shoehorned forced sexual tension of just like, oh, please, stop. But again, we're talking about a show that's 20 years old. And the funny thing is, after Enterprise, after these four seasons, we go right into Discovery in the timeline. Discovery, which has been the most accepting, the most diverse cast and crew 
that needle slams down the other direction really hard after this series. I think it's going to be really interesting to see it juxtaposed with Enterprise. And then once we are through the first two seasons of Discovery, it slams down again in the other direction of going to the original series. So we take the most recent and go to the first and watch Kirk and see one of the first things is Captain Pike going, I just can't get used to a woman on the bridge. Like, whoa. Okay. (laughs) So I think Star Trek has been like a really interesting marker. Yeah. It's been around because of the, yeah, because of how long it's, it's been reflecting. And I mean, I, I do understand that. Like, um, although you might look back on something and, and view it through a current lens, and wish it was in a different place at the time. Yeah. Things don't age well sometimes, but I I can't pretend that it's different than what was on television in general at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like, I don't want people to think that I I hold any one show on a pedestal over another, but let's not pretend that next gen was perfect by any means. Like (laughs) they got a lot of stuff wrong too. Like, how many episodes of Deanna Troy getting assaulted in some way, shape or form were there? There were at least two or three. Yeah. Like, really? Okay. Um, again, <laughs> all these guys, Riker, stop putting your leg up on stuff and like <laughs> help your crewmate, help the, the person you, you love and adore. Like, um, it doesn't matter what galaxy you're from, but sucks to be a lady. <laughs> I guess so man. Oh, <laughs> and I think that's why I'm so excited to see, Enterprise juxtaposed with Discovery. It's it's going to be such a interesting transition and a look at how I hope we've progressed from from that to this, but then going back even further to the '60s and seeing in the Age of Love before the Vietnam era, you know, you had this space adventure coming out of the coming from a place of World War II, but going into the hippies just before Vietnam. It's going to be a really fast, it, it's going to be a long road. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were familiar with the theme song before. Is it something from your childhood or something? Yeah, before? it had to be. Okay. But it right. was just so funny because it, but it doesn't fit, you know? So like it, yeah. it when it first started playing, I thought something else was on in the house. And I was just like that's not the theme song to this show, is it? And I, I was just like, why do, like one of those moments where you're like, why do I know every word to this song? So it's like one of those things that I know as a child, because I was kind of into the X-Files and all the things, you know, I, I definitely feel like I just had it planted in there somewhere, just like reactivated. I was like, okay, <laughs> like a sleeper agent on this. That's funny. I think, you know, in thinking about it, Enterprise is, Known as being, hey, this is the first thing. Chapter one of this whole franchise. But I think the prologue could have easily been the X-Files. You know, especially Mulder and Scully working in and out of federal agencies. That could have very easily bled over into NASA and the space program. And they all could have wound up uh, working. At the same work Christmas party. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They could have. And, uh, you know, they could have been setting things up for the first test flight with uh, Archer's father's warp engine. You know, that might be really fun. This might be something new that we do here on the show of 
finding other franchises that could have possibly connected. <laughs> I think this would be a yes. lot of fun. Did you watch these by yourself or were your husband and kids like, did they get into it too? Um, watch so it as a family? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. They, um, sometimes Milo got to watch one of them with me and he thought that uh, he was so enthralled, but like he wanted to know about everyone in a way that there you couldn't possibly like, who is that? Where are they from? You know, because it's just such a visually That's stunning great. place to be in that world, you know, watching that stuff happen. So he loves the stars and big, yeah. big space child anyway. So he uh, he was That's excited great. to see it. Yeah. So cool. Oh, if uh, if you do decide to keep going, and I, I promise I will bleep out all the curse words. <laughs> but please... Keep him watching the show. It's it's a lot of, I mean, you know, like I've said before, and I, th- I feel the same way about comics, that they are a commentary on our times. They're cautionary tale, but, you know, some sort of, some life parables, I think, can be translated into this spaceship, we're going to go find new aliens type thing. And I think, oh, yeah. I think there is something to be learned here. I mean, it's no secret that so many scientists and uh, astronomers and environmentalists, the tech world, of course, take all kinds of inspiration from Star Trek. And we've, see, we've seen so much of that already that, I mean, I say it at the beginning of the show, this is for fans new and old. And I hope I get the oldest fan and I hope I get the youngest fan of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this would be he, he so is. much fun. He'll be there. The funny thing, you could... You could fill a whole show with with him when he gets talking, though. Yes, <laughs> yes. He's like for a like for a four year old, he has so much to say about every single thing. So he would sit here and just <laughs> he would riff with you for hours if you let him. You just, <laughs> That's awesome. just keep asking him questions. He'd keep on going. He's so he's so much fun. That's but great. yeah, he was very excited. He had a lot to say. Wonderful, wonderful. There's there's going to be so much more to come. And especially, I mean, now that we've got two animated series and there's a third one coming and we've got so many fun little things, so many fun characters to explore. We're still early in season two of Enterprise, but I am so excited for people to discover this show, but, you know, to journey through this entire thing and see what's to be learned what can we aspire to? I'm, I've always been so floored when, you know, they encounter another ship or some sort of natural phenomenon or some sort of weird space energy anomaly. And, and they're doing quantum mechanics, quantum physics in their head. I'm like, are we going to get to that point where it's like, well, that can we take the beam and form a bubble around it, you know, and then go to warp of just like, uh, let me carry the one. Yes, yes, we can do that. <laughs> like, I'm so excited to get to that point. Yeah. So for all these shenanigans in this episode, we have to thank <laughs> Berman and Braga. They are the ones who uh, penned this episode. The last episode they did was the season one finale and season two premiere shockwave which we discussed at length with mr gary horn good friend of ours it's a lot of time travel so thoroughly melted his brain oh (laughs) if you haven't heard that episode go check that out it's a fun discussion this episode was directed by david Strayton, who we've discussed before on the show his last episode was desert crossing that was season one episode 24 and the guest stars the guest stars are fairly limited but we do see vaughn armstrong again as the crotassian captain 
Uh, he was uh, the Kratassin captain. Kratassin captain. <laughs> in the episode uh where everyone gets tangled up in the um in the goo uh, yeah Boxala, the that one. he was uh the kratassin captain at the beginning of that episode they were awesome yeah yeah they they have a really cool look and you kind of think this was the series where they kind of got to explore everything through the eyes of earthlings for the first time like our first journey out and we're going to explore all these brand new things the flip side to that coin is we never see them again. <laughs> like we are, we're introduced to the Kratassins here and then we never get a glimpse of them ever again. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. You know, the, I loved them being like, this is, this is what you're going to have to do to make it up to us. Oh yeah. And such a weird ritual of the, of the trees and the placement of each disc and like, wow. Yeah. It, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun to see that and for them to sort of look at, at each other and just small smile slow nod <laughs> yeah and uh yeah we even get some shirtless bacula out of it <laughs> yeah that scene was hilarious but yeah like i i totally think that where that character was really bumping up against him because like everything he does does is wrong like oh. it was such a fun commentary on people in general dealing yes. dealing with like <laughs> even though it was the throwaway episode to a certain extent like the things that they were exploring were really funny and they did it in like a light-hearted way you know yeah i will say because i was i was thinking about this as i was preparing uh the notes and things for this episode i feel like they didn't well they definitely should have had a more diverse writer's room for sure (laughs) that much we've discussed at length but i think it would have helped if they'd had a little bit more experience in some of the comedy because that seems to be a reoccurring criticism from multiple sources of like, Oh, you know, this could have been really great if they played the comedic aspect just slightly differently. There's a lot of odd couple type things. And even thus far with what we've seen in season two and season one, where there were a lot of opportunities for a comedy of errors or, you know, some, some real fun physical comedy. And it all got sort of brushed away or ignored or not give it the beat it needed or yeah. If it had <laughs> just hung on for another split second to let that comedic beat land, I, I think that it could have been something really fun. Cause I mean, we've had our serious moments on this show so far, we've covered a lot of deep topics and a lot of very deep discussions and some, there's been discussions of violence and discussion, philosophical discussions. But I mean, human beings, we're funny. Whether we, we mean to or not, <laughs> we're funny. And I think had that been played up a little bit more, I wonder if this series would have gotten a little more love. How do you feel about it? I totally agree with you. Like this episode is a really good example of that in particular. You know, like it's touching on... Like, of course, Doc Flock's there with his, like, Freudian aspect, <laughs> throwing yeah. that out there. Like, but then to also have him go into those moments of those dreams and be there, like, you, they missed some real moments to, like, have it be an obvious dream, like, a <laughs> you yeah. know, like a <laughs> think again, buddy, kind of. Yeah. Just a few places where if they had, like, played it up a tad, like, how outlandish all of it was, right. that it would have reached the place where it was funnier 
you know, yeah. to, to experience. Like at, at um, Porthos's funeral, in addition to everything, just have Trip lift up a plate of catfish and just <laughs> slowly start eating catfish at the funeral. That's how I know when I'm in my dreams. <laughs> I'm like, who's got, who's got the catfish plate? I, I swear this can't be happening. Um, poor, I, poor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna divert from my script here for a second because. <sighs> I got to ask, have you been watching any of the Olympics? Oh, just a tiny, tiny bit. I haven't gotten to catch much of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many naps and and things going on in the house right now. I'm having to like go back and catch highlights and stuff of what's going on. But so the reason I bring it up is Archer has this huge hard on for water polo. (laughs) I did see that. And I've never understood the whole thing. And then I caught the women's USA versus China water polo. And after that, I was kind of, and I mean, like the, the women's USA team is total, they're total badasses. They, and they have a wall of medals to prove it at the beginning. It was just kind of, it was back and forth a little bit. I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? And then like, it shot up to like 10 to three or 10 to four. And then I started watching like what they're doing in the water. And I started pointing some stuff out to cat. I was like, look at what they're actually doing in the water. They're in constant movement. In addition to trying to accurately throw a ball, maybe even skip it off the water while someone's trying to wrestle it away from them. Like, Okay, I think I get it now. I think <laughs> I think I might like water polo. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I totally when he was when they were having that moment was that in the that was in the the gum monster one where they were yeah that was in Voxala yeah 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 <laughs> yeah when they were watching that I was just like that's so funny and I thought that to myself I was just like I don't know if I've ever like sat down and watched water polo but you did it so yeah I go check up and see. If you've got sort of a digital video, uh, you know, be it on YouTube or Roku or whatever your device of choice is, yeah. if, you, if you have the opportunity to at least watch one match, and I would say, countries aside, I would check out Team USA women's water polo just because they are it. such badasses. <laughs> They're really good. Anyways, all that aside, let's get back into it. Obviously, this episode focuses on Porthos, the dog. But he's not the only Porthos. Apparently, there's two different dogs, Breezy and then Wendy. And I think Breezy came on and sort of took the place of Prada. Prada played Porthos in season one primarily. And then uh, Breezy became the main dog later. Uh, Breezy also appeared in the 2001 film Cats and Dogs. Have you ever seen that? Is that the one with... um, Janine Janine Garofalo? Garofalo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) Kat has chastised Uh, me greatly for having not seen that one. Yeah, wow, that's a flashback. Porthos (laughs) was in that. Big big slice of the 90s, I feel like that that movie. Big slice of the 90s. It's her and Uma Thurman? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like the, the besties that, you know... Right. The opposite besties did it. It's, but I mean, I, I love Janine Garofalo. She was such a f- like staple at that time. Yeah. I Reality think... Bites is one of my favorite movies of all time. Worse. Yeah. Because yeah. like I said, Cat chastised me for having not seen it. And I pulled up the trailer and watched the trailer. I was getting a lot of Cyrano de Bergerac vibes from it of like, she's helping her, but she's really in love. And then they, t- the two of them fall in love and it's a whole big thing. Like, you know. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I we're gonna have to do a Friday night 
movies Todd has missed <laughs> in his life. It would take a lot of Friday nights for me. I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, trust me, that's my role on Cinema Shock. I'm just like, Todd, you're seeing this one really for the first time? Oh, what have you done with your life? I don't know. Job, family, uh, <laughs> normal adult things. <laughs> And Star Trek. And there's a lot of Star Trek as well. That's so funny. Yeah. So uh, there was also a Beagle prop that was created for this scene, created by Joe Harlow, who had also done some makeup designs on Carnival and Chronicles of Riddick. I feel like Chronicles of Riddick would fit really well in the um, distant future versions of Star Trek, maybe even the mirror universe. I feel like, I feel like Riddick, takes place in the mirror universe he's such a like angry violent dude that maybe in the prime reality there's like a kitty cat version of vin diesel <laughs> a kitty cat of vin diesel yeah. man i i actually really liked riddick it was um especially like when it first came out it was like it was a big deal for its time i i think that um always have a soft spot for vin diesel though you know of course of course i loved uh pitch black was so much fun just because it was like it was one of those i mean you know space horror movies weren't a new thing that wasn't that wasn't new but this kind of had a real boots on the ground sort of gritty version of it and yeah it it was actually like yeah when you say boots on the ground it almost gave you like the the kind of like survival responses that some more like war movies would you know man Oh, because yeah. of the way that it was done, even though it was really because a lot of that the sci-fi horror is real, you know, spacey and, and feels disconnected and mm-hmm. like looming, but pitch dark, like it got in your face. Yeah, I think that's Black. one thing that's Star Trek having commented on a lot of different periods of human history, they do a good job of commenting uh, quite literally the characters sitting around talking about different aspects of war but most of the time what we're seeing is more along the lines of like submarine warfare i mean basically these ships are big submarines yeah but i really enjoyed and i think we'll get into this in a little a little bit in deep space nine different campaigns on the ground again boots on the ground and we see we see some of that and i'm really looking forward to i mean it's a you know it's, i feel weird saying saying this but i'm looking forward to talking more about what it means to be a soldier on the ground and seeing some of that manifested in some of the storylines in Deep Space Nine, specifically with Nog, the the Ferengi cadet in later Deep Space Nine, he gets injured in battle and we Hmm. see him going through PTSD and dealing with some of that as a very young man, our very young being. He's not a man, he's a Ferengi. But anyway, um, but seeing some of that I want to look at where we were in terms of the war um, and what was happening in the world, in the, in the world at that time. Uh, cause I think, cause yeah, uh, deep space nine was done before enterprise and enterprise started like two weeks after nine 11. So oh, wow, th- yeah, a lot of this, I feel like somebody pitched, Hey, we need something hopeful. <laughs> so maybe let's look to the stars again Let's go back to Star Trek and we'll start at the very the very beginning as we're as we're rebuilding, as we're reassessing certain things in our country and in our hearts and in our minds. Let's let's again turn our eyes towards space and 
I feel like they got the green light because it was Star Trek, but I don't feel like everybody like there wasn't a producer going, Hey, that song sucks. Can we not have that at the beginning of the show? You said you wanted this thing to be hopeful. Let's let's make it not suck. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. But I think I think there's going to be a lot of things to unpack and unfold and really, you know, get into some of these things. We've got over 50 years worth of content to dive into, in addition to diving into some of these things off the side. And I hadn't considered because um, throughout Computer Resume podcast, throughout this show. We're also, in addition to talking about some Star, all of Star Trek, we're also going to talk about some Star Trek adjacent things. So okay. we are we are going to talk about Star Wars. We are going to talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Um, I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Uh, in the next few episodes, we are going to be discussing the first episode of Firefly. And we're getting into all kinds of different things. And I hadn't considered Riddick. But now that we've talked about it, I'm going to go find a place to insert it on the schedule. <laughs> That's awesome. I think yeah, I mean, it was just, it's a lot of fun. Firefly, though. Whew. Oh, yeah. Love it, I'm, love it, love it. And talk, wow, it, like, talk about inserting a what is essentially a country song as your main theme and having it work really well. <laughs> it works so you're well. Right, you're right. I would have never thought about it because it works so well that you don't like. Yeah you don't even isolate it like that. That's so funny. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I gotta say, you know, we're (laughs) welcome to the, welcome to the Riddick podcast where we, where we discuss everything about Vin Diesel and then we gaze at his biceps and sigh longingly. (laughs) Uh, but I will say I really enjoyed the animated entry of Riddick. Did you ever see that? Oh, so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's Gosh, so I wish good. they'd have done more of those. I really wish they would have because that was so good. Oh, I love that type of stuff anyway. Like, oh, I'm gonna butcher the name of it, but like, what are they the what are they doing right now with Star Wars where they're doing the the illustrated uh, the Japanese influenced team and the the yeah uh, the name of it. We've seen a couple of we've seen a couple of things come about here more recently with Star Wars, and they've done a lot of it in the DC universe as well either direct to video entries of uh, different, different stories and whatnot. But uh, we've seen, gosh, I remember even in high school, the influence coming back of Asian anime and manga coming back and really, which is so funny to think that so much of their stuff was influenced by what we were doing, you know, with Walt Disney and our early Warner brothers type stuff. It's so funny to see that all come back around. And yeah, um, it was such a cool because the the artists that are working on it are sitting there saying that exact thing, like Star Wars influenced my entire, you know, my art style, all the stuff. And then at the same time, that's exactly what the artistry of, of their suits were based on, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think Kat and I have really uh, dealt into uh, on our comic book brunch Thing, which you can follow at comic book club brunch uh, on Instagram. We just wrapped up a series a few weeks ago called Amulet and it's for younger readers, but there were so many influences and so many different scenes and characters and interactions where it was like, that is clearly from star Wars. Like <laughs> there's so much of this is from star Wars. I think it's interesting to see. And I, I can't, cause we are going to talk about star Wars at length and see who influenced whom 
and what were you know the long-lasting ripple effect of that because you can't deny you can't deny star wars influence on pop culture let alone the world of sci-fi but just pop culture in general and then star trek being as long-lasting as it is um, it was the foundational i mean yeah yeah it it was setting the foundation for what it was going to look like to have you know long-term long-term storytelling in this out of galaxy experiences and out of planet experiences and things like that. I think that they were setting that foundation in place well before a lot of these other universes were established in the same way, you know? Right. And I think it's interesting to see where the original series ended in 60 in well, three years. So it ended in 69. Um, And then seeing everything that came after the original series, but before next gen where a lot of people clearly influenced by Star Trek. And then, you know, Star Wars comes out in 77. And then, you know, we have in the mid to late 80s is when Next Gen started. And seeing how all of the things that were inspired by Trek inspired, pardon the pun, the next generation of Trek. And all of that, all of that's just really, really fascinating to me. I mean, in terms of science fiction, but also in real world tech and television production to see all those things be integrated in and to bring about what people especially our age a lot of next gen kids argue is the best version of trek but oh, um, yeah. but yeah i'm really excited to get into all of that um, i think i think about those types of things often you know especially like in my work with microsoft like watching the tools that they're putting out <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and then i'm just like I love knowing the sci-fi kids behind it that are just like, I'm really just trying to get some holograms in front of me. That's all I'm trying to get. <laughs> that's I'm all really, I want. It's all, this is all I want is to be able to, can I please somebody help me out? <laughs> like, that's what they're, that's what it feels like when we're watching like the new technologies that they're putting out. I'm just like, we must've watched the same television. We're getting okay. there. Y'all, y'all are trying real hard. One step at a time. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, this episode was the highest viewed episode since season one's Sleeping Dogs. Uh, Alexander Chase at USA Today uh, said the numbers confirm a ratings turnaround for the newest Trek. And it put it as fourth behind Alias, Smallville, and John Doe. I'm not familiar with John Doe. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, and the other ones do. Yeah, so yeah. Like- I'm clear. I'm, you know, big comic book guy. So I definitely know Smallville. And uh, my wife was huge on Alias. So yeah. Alias was a good show. John Doe, that doesn't. I can yeah. see how people watched this episode. Like it was definitely watchable. It was. Sure. See how people plugged into it because because it was like an easily accessible one, you know, Yeah. if you were flipping through, this is not, nothing came up in this episode that would have made you feel lost or like you couldn't just hop in and watch it. Right. Right. We've, we've discussed uh, quite a few times on the show so far that because enterprise started when it did, it wasn't really part of the episodic trend of television, but it hadn't really gotten to the serialized trend of television that I think a lot of people would point to ABC's Lost as the big one that really kicked that off. But this kind of fell somewhere in the middle. And because it was in the middle, it wasn't either one. So you had episodes that clearly built on what came before, but you also had one-offs like this where it's, hey, 
it's the dog and we're going to see Archer and Paul kiss. Like, but, yeah. <laughs> here, here it is. <laughs> but I love that. That's actually one of the things that always made the X-Files one of my dear shows, you know, is because, yeah, you had moments where you were weaving the story, but getting to have that, just those like fluffy episodes that just pop in for no, no real reason. Those are fun. And I oh. thought this, I thought this one was fun, you know? Yeah. Cat actually started rewatching X-Files probably as I was in here recording or editing or doing something. And I leaned back in my chair and are you watching X files? <laughs> she goes, yeah. I goes, and I saw Mulder and Scully come up on screen. I go, they're babies. Look at them. They're so- <laughs> Oh my God. Was, so was it really that crazy. long ago? Oh, <laughs> they were so young in those early oh, episodes. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. The best. <laughs> the best. Herc of Ain't It Cool News rated the episode three out of five, praising the story about how Porthos was named and the elements of sexual tension, of course, between Archer and DePaul. He thought the odd couple type relationship between Archer and Phlox didn't really work. And uh, there were too many misfires uh, in the comedic elements. Like I said before, I just think if they had, look, they're filming in LA, go over to the comedy store and say, hey, uh, we're right. We need a couple of comedic writers for Star Trek. The van would be full. Like <laughs> they would have so many comedians. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Michelle Green of Trek Nation said she enjoyed the episode on the whole and enjoyed the characterization, but she criticized the non-moving beagle prop as it made her son think the dog was dead, uh, which was then followed by what looks like a drowned dog in a tank of formaldehyde. <laughs> And uh, I I think as Kat and I were watching this one, I think she ended up turning away at that because Porthos is such a cute dog. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of moments where I was just like, oh, oh, you know, like just, just what's, yeah. what's going on with the puppy? Yeah. Just, just as stressed as Archer is um, about the dog. But yeah, I, I can understand. So there, there were moments where you would catch that prop and be like, honestly. yeah i i think i think when they shoot that again yeah (laughs) can we go for another take please yeah there was i think at one point and i in my research did see that they had some issues trying to get uh, the dog to lay perfectly still in the isolation tank but then when you see the dog completely submerged in that liquid it was really obvious that that was not a real dog But I love that the operation for the pituitary gland was like, we're just going to buzz a hole right yeah. right above your eyeball and <laughs> pop it right in. We don't have to see anything. We're just going to, it's going to drop it. <laughs> it would have been great if he had just pulled out like a Black and Decker drill. Was just like, I'm going to fix this right quick. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. I was like, replacing a pituitary gland and you just dropped it in there like an M&M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the next scene, Porthos has that big ass band-aid. <laughs> big band-aid on his head, and I'm just like, uh-huh. That's exactly what it took to replace your pituitary gland. Yep. Major brain surgery on, on a completely different species. Yeah. Band-aid. Here we go. But then I just have to, you know. It's a wonderful I can't let myself pick on that thing because I've chosen to watch this show. You know, like I can't I can't pick on this one thing and be like, that's not very believable. Like, like really, guys? <laughs> really, guys? You know. We'll Out of ignore, everything else. We'll, we'll ignore pointy thing. ears and the whole thing. <laughs> it, it would have been great, though, if Doc Flocks had been, like, all better and then just leaned in and been like, there. 
good boy. Who's <laughs> a good boy? Yeah. Jamal Epsikokin of Jammers Reviews called it easily the dumbest concept for an episode of Star Trek and gave it a score of one, one out of four, which uh, that's a little rough. Uh, 2016 sci-fi included the episode in a group of Star Trek franchise episodes they felt were commonly disliked but deserved a second chance. Uh, the digital fix felt this was a bad episode but noted noted it for experimenting with the format. I think we've touched on a lot of the directors that have already showed up and there's been some really great turns and things that they've done. I'll go ahead and say cinematically, things that they've done with light and sound to invoke a certain feeling. I don't know if you caught the episode of Fight or Flight. It's early on, but it gives off a total horror movie vibe where they basically show up on this ship and then find all these bodies hanging from the ceiling being drained of their fluids and like, oh my God, this is horrifying. And Hoshi, we we see the episode largely through Hoshi's eyes. Um, The girl that does the- um, the universal translator at, who's clearly not an astronaut. <laughs> she has no interest in being an astronaut, but we see a lot of that through her eyes of like, Ooh. Oh yeah. Space is terrifying. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they do the horror movie thing again, but with a different visual perspective with Roxanne Dawson's episode dead stop, where after the enterprise gets into a little bit of a scrape with a, you know, a different, species they go to this completely automated facility that will just repair their ship in no time but as they're walking around it's so clean and streamlined and white and just like like nothing bad has ever happened and the whole thing and you're like but a couple people you see are like this is a little weird and then they go into a side room where apparently the whole thing is run on the brains of people they've captured (laughs) like the the ship also abducts people from the crews and just adds it yeah the essentially the ship's computer as a fuel was just like the the ship uses the brains as its own computer they're they end up talking about well the best computer in the world is actually a brain and they have like a couple dozen different bodies just hanging from the ceiling of just like Here's this one, this one, this one. And no, yeah, there's Travis Mayweather. We should probably get him down. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But again, but with like the horror of that episode being juxtaposed with the cleanness of the station, it gives it this sort of eerie vibe of like, no, yeah, this, but... shouldn't, this shouldn't look as nice as it is. Something's, something's off. Something's wrong here. But I think that goes to... A little bit of the writing, but I think a lot of the visual presentation of the cinematography and the direction that they are able to suck you in with. And I think they've done a really great job of that. What culture ranked this episode the 17th worst episode of Star Trek? Like, oh man, wow, you can't catch a break here. In 2017, Screen Rant ranked A Night in Six Bay the 14th worst Star Trek episode. Highlighting poor characters, uh, poor character development choices, and a weak plot, uh, hovering around a sick dog peeing on a tree. Like, okay, I mean that is what it was. Okay. That is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is one there of those. There was no episodes. character development, and <laughs> not uh... really. <laughs> Tech Republic included the episode on its list of the five worst episodes of Enterprise. Man, uh, and IGN called it 
hands down worst show of the season. <laughs> but the episode was nominated for a Hugo Award in 2003 alongside uh, Carbon Creek, another episode of Enterprise, the one where uh, they go to where they follow to Paul's grandmother as she's actually the one who makes first contact and not the events of Jonathan Frakes's movie uh, in Carbon Creek, Pennsylvania. That's a that's a really fun episode. Wow. Um, but yeah, those two episodes, along with episodes of Angel and Firefly and the eventual winner, which was Conversations with Dead People from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, actually ended uh, winning. But you know what? That's some pretty good company to be in for yeah. the nominations of the Hugo Award. Like Angel, Firefly, Buffy. Buffy. Yeah. Buffy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I don't know. There, there were moments that I really did laugh, like that I was just like, that, what is going on? I think like the bat. Yeah, the bat. <laughs> See, that's the comedy of errors. That's the comedy of errors of just like, we're going to get, and like, they try so hard and Hoshi just walks in and basically holds out her hand. And is like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah. She like snow whites the bat and, and I, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man, there were definitely moments that I was like laughing out loud and it could have been even funnier if, yeah, if they had hit some of those things that like jokes they were trying to make that just, Needed just the missed tiniest it. bit missed, of a squeak there. Missed it by that much. Uh, yeah, it. Oh man, they. I, th I think unfortunately, Star Trek has set such a high bar with sci-fi fans and especially fans of its own kind, the Trekkers, the Trekkies, however you want to, you know, label yourself. But I think in all of that, and again, post 9/11, I think we forgot Star Trek was supposed to be fun. So everyone was like, hey, it's an episode. Look, we finally get to see the captain and, and the and the Vulcan lady kiss. And I just was excited that there was the an dog? episode where Archer just got to bitch about like his job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, man, <laughs> I mean, captain. that's really all it is. He's just having like a bad, you know, his dog's not feeling good. He's working with people that you can't get sleep. Being, you can't, you can't, can't catch 40 wings for anything. Nah. <laughs> he doesn't like any decisions that anybody's making you know he's just stressed he just needed an episode for him to just be like all of you go to your rooms that's kind of how he felt you know like that's yeah what i was feeling oh gosh yeah uh, yeah i think we just needed it because i mean it can't be red alert every episode there's gonna be things of just it, it, i think they needed an episode that followed a random ensign and he shows up for breakfast in the mess hall first thing in the morning and they're out of Cheerios. And that's his journey for the next few months of just, and we're out of Cheerios. Oh, we won't get Cheerios until we get back to earth. Who knows when we're getting back to earth? We're out of Cheerios, man. I want there to be that guy. I need there to be somebody that's just like, just that red thread through everything where you yeah. just out there about the Cheerios. Ensign Smith, what do you think? Still on the Cheerios? All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to start wrapping this thing up. Do you have any, uh, you have any final thoughts about this, about this episode, about your, I imagine an early, if not first enterprise experience. To me, it was, you know, like I, I got the vibe, the fun vibe that they were going for. Like, I, I know they were trying to keep it lighthearted and I felt that, you know, I, I, <laughs> 
again, I think that it was a great episode just to get dropped in on because it was just so bizarre. So I, um, I definitely will continue to follow it. Was excited that Milo had some fun engagement with it. So yeah, I'm sure oh. he'll be making his way through them as well. Wonderful. Uh, it wonderful. was. It's been a lot of fun to to check it out, and you're doing a fantastic job with it too. Oh, thanks. So like easily relatable and especially for such a complex universe, you know, like it's got so much time and and so much that goes on with it to be able to help people find their way and and really walk through it is going to be so helpful, especially to newer, newer fans. Well, I think with how fan culture has developed over the years, you know, I feel like I'll use the Marvel movies as an example. I know of a a friend of mine who I had asked, hey, are you going to go see the next Marvel movie, whatever it was at the time. And he's like, well, no. I said, really? Why not? He goes, I haven't seen the 2000 other Marvel movies. I can't commit that much to go to just go see this new one. And I look at, you know, things like the Star Trek franchise where it's started in 66. We're well over 50. Well, I think we're, did we crack 60 years? I think we're about, we're, we're coming up. We're coming up on 60 years of star trek that's a lot of content and it's daunting for some people of just like i don't know you know doctor who's another one where yes gosh gosh it's been running how how do you get on that you know yeah you're exactly right like how do you catch this train (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i think it's awesome to be able to do that (laughs) yeah and I, i think this is a fun way to sort of break each thing down and not take it so seriously, but have fun with it. And, but also mine it for those things that they were trying to talk about. And we've gotten, we've gotten into those episodes and those set, those episodes here on this show have been a little bit deeper, a little bit darker, a little more serious. You know, we're going to continue to melt Gary's brain at every turn as much as we possibly can. (laughs) But, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, things, the treatment of women, treatment of minorities, religion, politics, economics, all of these things and more as we continue to dive into this reflection of humanity. That is what Star Trek is. So next week, we got the big event, folks. Here it comes. The Red Shirts podcast out of England crossing over with the Computer Resume podcast. That's right, folks. We are going to be doing a six-episode crossover. Each one of the hosts from the Red Shirts podcast will be coming on one episode of this show. And I, Mr. Todd A. Davis, will be going on three big episodes of the Red Shirts podcast. You can find the Red Shirts on Spotify, Apple. They're pretty much everywhere we are. (laughs) But they're a great group of folks. You got three British comedians and me talking about Star Trek. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please tune in for that. But the next episode that you will hear here, that you will hear here. Yeah, I said that right. (laughs) Will be, uh, we will be joined from the Red Shirts podcast by Mr. Jake Donaldson for Enterprise Season 2, Episode 6, Marauders. That's a fun one where they go and try to, you know, and they're help they're helping some miners. Like Enterprise is actually going to help some people for once. 
they don't do that all the time. It's mostly just fixing stuff with duct tape on the ship. But this one, they are actually going to help some people. It's a great episode. I can't wait to talk to Jake about it. It's going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun. And Marauders is available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount+. Plus. Britt, where can people come annoy you on the internet? Come find me at uh, a beautiful place is that's uh that's where I do all of my work. I'd be happy to connect with you guys over there. It's been so much fun connecting with you tonight. I've had a blast. This is a great episode. It couldn't have couldn't have landed better. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Lots of giggles. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Questionable uh, surgeries, you know. Yeah. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Go through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We're probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Oh, yeah, yeah.